The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up and I've already made around two, three hundred dollars. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. It's the captain. It's the ticket. 93.7. Uh, listen, I am honored to introduce this next guest. Um, forget it. Let's just get right into it. Coach Samuels, how you doing? Rashawn Jackson. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing good, Chief. And yourself, Chief? <laughs> oh, I'm doing good, man. Come on, man. You got to yeah. give me that Chief, man. You done, you, done, you done took the Chief off the back of everything? Oh no, Chief is still there. <laughs> you know, Chief Chief's gotta be there. That's part of my heritage and my roots. Right. Talk about <laughs> that. How in the world did you get I coach, first of all, I never even knew you played at Nebraska. Really? Man. You just that young, huh? Man. <laughs> smack yeah. me all smack me all in the face. Like, you don't know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> not only did you, not only were you were not, played at Nebraska, but you was a part of Coach Osborne's first recruiting class. Yeah, oh yeah, that's how long ago it was. And um, George Darlington was my position coach, and that was his first year at Nebraska as an assistant under Coach Osborne. Wow. Yeah. So what what was football life back? What was that? Seventy three, seventy four. Yeah, seventy three was my freshman year. Yeah. What was football and, like at the University of Nebraska back then? Well, you know, the tradition was still there, man. It was, uh, you know, we, we when we came to Nebraska in 73 as freshmen, uh, uh, Coach Devaney had just retired. Coach Osborne had just taken over. Coach Devaney had back-to-back national championships, and expectations were extremely high for us. So uh, everyone at that point was expecting – National championships at Nebraska. Mm. Even even back then, what well, who was the quarterback then? When I was playing, yeah, when you was playing. When I first got there, Dave Hum was quarterback, and then Terry Luck, and then uh, when I by the time I became a black shirt, Vince Ferragamo was at quarterback. One of my freshman teammates, Randy Garcia, 
And then my senior year was Tom Sawley. Wow. And I, I've had a history of great teammates, man. Great, great teammates. So, 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 like, when you got your black shirt back then, was it a tada like it was, you know, you know, back when you were coaching us? Oh, absolutely. See. Absolutely. Um, you, you can lose your black shirt just as, as, uh, Easy as playing bad in one game on a Saturday and you come in on a Sunday and after the film's been graded, you might look in your locker room and that black shirt's gone. Dang. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, that black shirt tradition it was strong back then. Where where did you guys say, you know when we, we, we go through the the Lord and the Bowels, we go through life, we ask for a chance for fair. Chance we can uh-huh. always start. Did you guys say that? No. No. Wait, do you know uh, when that started? The guy that actually started that was uh, when, when we were there, when I was there as a coach. Uh, it goes through, I don't know if you remember the name Vernon Powell. Yeah? Yeah. He, he came out of St. Louis. And I remember, I don't know all the exact details, but I remember when he was hurt. And somehow he recited that to the team, and it was adopted by them. What year would that have been? Some eighty, well, some well, late eighties. I I can't give you an exact on that. Okay. It had to be. Uh, Vernon was in the in the um, in the late eighties, early nineties. He may have gotten in ninety, so I, it probably came up around ninety one, ninety two. Dang, yeah, because I, you know, I was asking a couple of people today. Did, did they remember saying that? And some of the older guys don't necessarily remember saying that. So I was wondering when that started. Yeah, that's about when I remember it. Mm. And uh, wherever I went, we used that because really? it had so much power to it. Yes. Yes. So, 82, 83, you're at Western Michigan. What was that life like? Oh, that was my first job. I was a young buck. Uh, uh, just left uh, Nebraska trying to make my way in. I was at that point a part-time coach and my first full-time job. And I had the entire defensive line. Wow. And I coached the, the inside guys the way Charlie McBride coached them, and I coached the outside guys a combination of the way George Darlington and, and of course, I played the outside back at defensive end position, so I started impl- implicating some of those techniques. But uh, it was an interesting ride. It was fun. It was new. You know, young guy with his first uh, full-time job. So, so then the next year you go to Stanford. Yeah, I was at Western for two years. Okay. I was, and then I went to Stanford uh, for for another two years. Eighty four, eighty five. And uh, yeah, and the interesting thing about that, the head coaches at both schools had famous quarterback sons. Jack Harbaugh, uh, Jim Harbaugh's uh, dad, Jim and John Harbaugh, was the head coach at Western Michigan, and Jack Elway was the head coach at Stanford, of course, John Elway. Wow. Yeah. I, listen, I knew it. Coach, I was talking to Octavius McFarlane, and I knew you hey, recruited. Right. You recruited him. You recruited Warfield, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, like, when when you just think about the people that you recruited, and they have they, they remember and say, man, Coach Sam's recruited me. Uh, it, it, and I said to Tavy, I said, you know what? Seems like I was always talking to Coach Sounds, but I don't remember nothing that Coach Sounds says. But what's up, Chief? 
<laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, we had, yeah. and I asked him, did he? I was, he was like, I know I had conversations with you, but I don't know if it was the soft-spoken tone, but we, we both said, well, now that you retired, we can come hang with you a little bit and get some of that knowledge oh, yeah. from you. Oh, oh, yeah. that. But, you know, I was always soft-spoken. And uh, I spent most of my time, I don't know if you realize this or not, when I was walking around the field or the office where guys were around, I'd always look for guys to maybe uh, see what their body language looked like. Maybe I'd pick them up a little bit with a couple words mm. or, you know, I used to know every, just about everything going on in that town since I played there. And so I'd always maybe try to deter a guy every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So, so, so how did you, first of all, how did you, you, you from, um, originally from, what is that, Trinidad? Yeah, I'm Tobago. originally from Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. It, so yeah. how in the world did you get recruited to the University of Nebraska from Trinidad? Well, I came, uh, my family, we moved to New Jersey when I was 10 years old. Okay, okay. And we we only played soccer and cricket and, you know, some rugby. And, you know, of course, you know, Trinidad is also famous for the great sprinters and uh, track athletes and all that. And uh, I didn't know anything about American football until I, I was 10 years old. I didn't play organized football until I was a freshman in high school. Wow. But Rich Glover is also from Jersey City. So that, that was the connection? And by the time I got to become a senior in high school, uh, a, a teammate of mine, Larry Young, who also got recruited by Nebraska, was very, very highly recruited. And when people came to see him, they would uh, look at the film on me, and then they'd see me, and then they realized I had some good size, and I was really fast back in those days, and uh, got recruited by Nebraska. Monty Kiffin came out to New Jersey and recruited all the Nebraska guys back in those days. Mm. What did you know about Nebraska at the, at that point? Did you know like did you Not watch them on TV? No, one bit. The only thing I you've got to remember the technology back in those days. Right. The only thing I knew about Nebraska back in those days was Rich Glover playing his senior year and having all that great success. They won the back to back national championships and all that, and we were back in Jersey City really watching Nebraska because of him watching the game of the century. And I did. I had to look it up on the map to to see where the, where Lincoln, Nebraska was. And <laughs> when you got here, it had to be a culture shock as well. Oh yeah. Oh totally. But I was used to culture shocks at that point, you know, because uh, coming from Trinidad to New Jersey was was the first real culture shock in my life. And then later on, going away from high school to Lincoln, Nebraska. After seven years in America, that was a different, another culture shock. But I was much more prepared for the second one than the first one. Do you go back to Trinidad very often? Uh, uh, not as much as I used to. Um, the majority of the family that I know from there when I left, my grandparents, my aunts and all, either passed or the majority of them moved to other parts of the world. I've got family all around the United States and uh, 
England. I've got a brother in Italy. I've got family all over Canada. A lot of the places where, you know, part of that industrial migration was going on from the south. It was not just the south of America. It was pretty much people coming in from all over. Mm. Are you 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 a great grandpa yet? Oh, not yet. Don't put that on me. <laughs> well, hey, but, but, I'm a grandpa, we have coach. Six grandkids, though. We've got six grandchildren. Okay. All right. And so we're going to stick with the coaching. So you go from Nebraska, and then I'm going to get back in, into Nebraska, of course. But, you know, my, my, my thing is, when, especially when I'm talking to coaches, a lot of times people don't understand all the stops you guys have to make in your coaching career. I mean, this is a, what, 38, 39-year coaching career? Yeah, 1982 was my the start of my full-time career. And I spent pretty much four years at Nebraska, one year volunteering, a couple years or three GA and those kind of things. So, yeah, but it's, it's right at about 40 years, maybe yeah. a little bit more if you add it all up. Well, that's what I'm saying. So – you, you, and I'm just going to talk about I'm just going to say this. You went to New Mexico State from 97 to, to 04 because we'll come back to that. Purdue, Southwest Missouri State, Georgia State, UNLV. Coach, you still coaching or you retired? Well, I, I retired after, um, after UNLV. What are you and, doing uh, in a retired life? You know, retire, retirement for me is good. You know, I've always been easygoing. And I don't need a, a lot to keep myself happy. And uh, I'm actually uh, getting back in shape now. I'm in much better shape. Standing around on a football field and all that, you'd be surprised the wear and tear that does on your body, your feet and all those kind of things. So uh, retirement's been good. I've been enjoying it. You received the Eddie Robinson Award. What was that award about? That was a great award. You know, uh, we were at Southeast Missouri State at the time. And uh, both stops that I, I, I took as a head coach were two very, very challenging jobs. They, they were programs that were right at the bottom of the rank in the entire country. And um, we went to Southeast Missouri State, built it up. Of course, I had a few former Cornhuskers with me, you know, uh, Kenny Wilhite, you know, uh, Lorenzo Brinkley. Tim McGuire, we had some guys, you know. And that year, we ended up winning the conference after being, I think we were picked to be sixth in the preseason in that conference. We won it all and actually went to the playoffs. And you could just imagine, I was very, very into Eddie Robinson all those years. I read his books and I read all about him because there weren't too many head coaches out there you know, of uh, color and the things he did and the way he talked to his people and the way he raised his players. And and to get that honor, one, I was surprised that I got it. And two, once I figured out that I was uh, uh, honored with that kind of a, that kind of deal, I just, uh, man, I tell you what, that, that one there is at the top of my list of all the things I've ever done. Yeah, congratulations on that, and, and and it's you are the most one of the most deserving coaches of that because because you 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 went across, I think you know offensive lines. You know you me and you had a relationship. You know that 
I will always remember. I will always cherish the relationship, the little stuff that you did say to me to get me off, you know, with my career, not being on scout team for two years. Sometimes that can get a little frustrating. You know, it can get a little tough on a person knowing that, hey, I'm on scholarship, but, yeah, you still like six straight. So, you know, the stuff that you said to us definitely uplifted us and gave us some hope to keep on going, to keep to keep trying. Now, six we, we talk Nebraska in those ten years, six All Americans, twelve future NFL Hall of Famers, uh, first rounders, Roger Thomas, Mike Crow, Trev Alberts, Grant Winstrom. Of the guys, and I'm not talking outside linebacker, I'm just talking rush in. When you look at that yeah. position, rush in, right? or is it defensive end, is that different than an outside linebacker? Well, you know, that's, that was the most hilarious part of me coming back to Nebraska. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, when I first was back, I was classified as a defensive end. But we ran the, the, the old stand-up. I was a, two, a stand-up outside linebacker, if you want to look at the, the, the techniques we played and all that. But we were called – Defensive end. And um, when I first was hired, uh, we had Broderick Thomas sitting there as a sophomore, and then we had just recruited and got Jeff Mills. I don't know if you remember that name. Oh, yeah. and, and the first thing I did to try to learn more about him, I took a trip over there to the, to the New York Giants and watched them in practice for a few days. And, of course, you know, they had LT and Banks and – those kind of guys, and they were called outside linebackers. So I started, uh, I, I started thinking at that time that we need to be called outside linebackers. We didn't do it for a couple of years, but they were true outside linebackers. Now we switched the defense. Remember when we switched defense mm-hmm. and went to the four-three, and that's when we started calling them rush ends because they were now true defensive ends in that defense. And, and then I also coached the Sam linebackers. Mm-hmm. That would be, uh, you know, Jamel and all those guys, Jamel Williams and that crew, you know, mm-hmm. and Ernie Beeler and Lorenzo Brinkley at one point mm-hmm. and Troy Dumas and those guys. So that was – it was funny because there was always confusion when people asked about that position and why we called them what. Yeah, so you you would have had you would have had all the Russians and the Sam backers. Yeah. And then the the, so then what? Coach Steele would have the inside, the mic and the, he and the, the wheels. The mic and the wheel. Okay, that seems like a crazy dynamic, Coach. Well, it's because of the transition from that old package. Because the the ends that we were calling ends were two outside linebackers, and somebody had to teach something different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if it was going to be the, the inside backers, it was going to be the the Sam is like almost totally different than the Mike and the Will. Mm-hmm. And most of those Sams, when we were transitioning into our concept, they were in my meeting room anyway. Gotcha. And it was a great way for me uh, to, to be in tune with a lot of the little fits and the coverage and all that as opposed to just turning those Russians loose. Uh, we still had some work to do with the Sams, and then they, they tied in. What what was the, 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 the rush ends? What was their responsibility back then? 
Oh, it varied, you know. First and foremost, you know, they had to accept the, the responsibility that if they were playing well, the team was going to play well. Mm. Because we had, we could change games at that position. We, in my mind, we were always game changers on defense. Uh, we could speed up the pass rush. We can penetrate and force plays back to our speedy linebackers. We could, we were the game changers, and and being a game changer, we were looked on in practice to lead by example. I don't know if you paid much attention to it, but you you'll be really hard to find a guy that played that position that didn't practice hard. Oh yeah, well you know when I was there, Trev was there, uh, Dwayne Harris, Dante Jones. Um, and, and then so forth, Jared Tomich, uh yeah. of course, Grant. We, we, yeah, yeah, all those guys were there. And like you said, there was never, ever, they never took it off. And sometimes I would think that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. When you get older, you look back and you'd be like, oh, okay, this was this way. But I thought that the Russians and the defensive tackles were all with Coach McBride. Wow. No, they're with you. Yeah, the ends were. The ends were. That's what I mean, the ends. Charlie, Charlie had the inside people, mm-hmm. which were the main anchor to that old – when we went 4-3, those two anchors in there, they turned – they allowed everything else to happen. When you say anchor, what – what touch on that just a little bit more. <laughs> when you talk about those two guys in the middle, what's their responsibility and why are they so important? Well, you think a good example right now is just look at the last Super Bowl with Aaron Donald. He played pretty much that whole game inside over those guards, and he disrupted everything. The techniques Charlie taught, he taught those guys a version of pretty much playing two gaps in in many cases. And when I tell you the best technician I've ever been around, those inside guys would eat up blockers. You could not leave those guys single block. Mm. And if you left those guys, if you double teamed those guys, or at least had one guy and a half paying attention to those two inside guys, that meant the ends were getting ready to eat. And, uh, and then if the ends were attacking the way they did, then they had to maybe add another person to help out on one of the ends which made the linebackers look even better. Mm. And it just continued on from there. But the anchor, the main ingredient to that defense was started in the middle. Mm. I'm with Coach Sams. I'm the captain. It's the ticket. We'll be right back when we get back, Coach. I'm a, we're going to talk a little bit about And I, I have to ask the question, who's the best rush in and who's the best outside linebacker you ever coached? <laughs> all, that <and> more, <laughs> all that and more when we get back. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.